the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I should have guessed that if there's going to be danger, Ami Horowitz will show up. And sure enough, that is exactly what he did. And are you now Ami Horowitz, who makes these extraordinary videos, which we put up at PragerU and at DennisPrager.com, and he puts them up at AmiHorowitz.com. And you are now in Minneapolis? I am in Minneapolis, about to leave, heading back to the new hotspot, New York City, my adopted hometown. And did you see, by any chance, the police precinct burning? I did not. I did see it uh, after the fact. And uh, I saw a lot of different things burning, not that particular precinct. But, man, the, the city, you know, it's funny. I, I'm packing now, and the clothes I wore that night are reeking with smoke because the smoke was thick in the air, you know, that wafted and crossed across Minneapolis. It was, look, you know, you know that I've been some, some crazy places. You know, I've reported to you directly on the show. Uh, in fact, I was in Ferguson when that thing exploded. And I got to say, this wasn't quite as scary as those, but it was a pretty close second. There, there were moments in, in, uh, of, in this experience where uh, you thought, wow, this is, um, this is coming to the edge. We're getting to the edge on this thing. So what did you see in Minneapolis? Well, I, the, the point of the video was, or at least what came out of what my experience in Minneapolis is, is this, and it's a really important point to make. The, the protester, there's, there's this media narrative that's being pushed, that there's a divorce, a Chinese wall between the protesters and the rioters and the looters, and they are distinct from one another. What I found was quite different. What I found was a blurring of the lines. What I found... Were there two sides of the same coin? I know this day and age, if you say one negative word against the protesters, you're automatically branded as a racist, but I don't care. I spoke with 40, 50 different protesters. And when I was asking them, do you support the rioting? Do you support the looting? Do you support burning down this city? Unequivocally, and I, and I can't stress this enough, I'm talking about 90% plus not a majority, said to me they absolutely supported what the violent rioters were doing because it was bringing attention to their problem. And if that meant burning the city down, this is their words, by the way. I'm, just, I'm expressing their words to you. This is not me putting words in their mouth. That if we burn this city to the ground, so be it. And in fact, more than one person, protesters, not the rioters, were expressing to me their joy if cops were killed. In fact, as a woman with a backpack, I just happened to notice it when I uploaded the video. Happened to, didn't even see her when we filmed it. 
with her backpack saying, save a life, kill a cop. Scrawled on walls were killed the cops. So I want to make very clear, there is, while obviously I'm not saying these guys were actually looting and rioting, some of them I'm sure were, they absolutely give air and breathe and, and breath to these people. They're two sides of the same coin as far as I'm concerned, Dennis. It, uh, you asked the question that you would think a serious journalist would ask of the protesters, what do you think of the destruction? But you're right, they're never asked. I saw CNN there. I saw them where I was asking questions. The question I asked was never asked. All you have to do is scratch at the surface. Instead of saying, how do you feel, what are your feelings, touchy-feely, right? Oh, do you feel rage, right? Except for asking those surface questions, if you just scratch a little bit, the rawness of the situation will come out. But they don't, they may know it's there. I'm not sure they do. They don't want to see it. They certainly don't want to film it. So, yeah, no, no, it's media malpractice. They are not asking the right questions. I saw them. No question about it. And it's right there to be asked. It's right there for the taking. It's sad. It's unfortunate. Did you, uh, did you witness people uh, breaking into stores? No, but let me tell you what I did see. As we were packing up, uh, I saw a young thug attack an old white man who was defending and standing outside his home because his neighbors had their homes looted and burned. And, you know, he was just standing there unarmed. And uh, a young, you know, I'm sorry I hate to use the word, but I don't see a better, more apt description than a thug, uh, attacked him. And attacked him for just being there, for nothing more than that. And he attacked me with a thick stick, and he had stones that he was throwing at him. And obviously, you know, a good person can't sit on the sidelines and just watch that. And I, I had to react and get involved. And thank God I was able to grab the kid and push him away. And he turned around and walked away without uh, uh, pursuing the attack. But that's how visceral and how raw it is out there. That if you're just simply, it uh, doesn't matter if you're an old white guy unable to defend himself. They're going to go after you. I met with Native Americans. Native American consortium of shops that, that were patrolling their shops because they had their shops burned down. I mean, think about this. After COVID-19 or during COVID-19, this is during COVID-19, by the way, and by the way, nobody was socially distancing, okay? All these protesters were all together, right? Of course, the media is not mentioning anything about that. You go to a house of worship, they'll jump on top of you. But, hey, if you're a protester, no problem with the, with the lack of social distancing. But uh, these, these Native Americans had, had their, their, their buildings burned down. And it's, 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 you know, they're just heartbroken that they were, they couldn't, they could barely make it. Some of them didn't make it because of the pandemic. And then you add this on top of it. It's so sad. It's so disturbing. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I, I have explained to uh, my listeners what I think. I assume we're on the same page. Can you imagine if right-wingers were doing this, what the narrative would be? Yeah, explain to me how this is. This is like almost the opposite of Charlottesville. It's, again, two sides, the same coin. And I, I hate to make the comparison, but I'm sorry. Cops are being shot and killed and attacked. People being killed by these people. Okay? And, and, and Charlottesville became, you know, <laughs> the, the president, you know, you know the, the media about practice on what the president said about Charlottesville. But you have people in the media who are actively, you know, supporting and showing the signs of sympathy 
with, with violent acts of protest. And it, it's amazing to me they don't see they don't see the irony in this, but the left never sees irony. You know, also, people are making a big deal about Antifa. And I have to say that Antifa, and I know Antifa, I've, I've been embedded with them. I know who they are, how they operate. They were here, they're here in force also. Uh, and they're part of this protest. They're part of this violence and this rioting. And, you know, you can, it's hard to say what percentage, but you can kind of get a sense, I would say, it's probably 10 to 20 percent of these people who are Antifa types. What uh, percentage working- of the of the rioters, not protesters, of the rioters, would you say were opportunists and how many went to destroy? It's impossible to know. It's mm-hmm. just an impossible number to know. Right. It doesn't matter, the net effect. No, no, I, I know. I was just curious. One final question. What is the story where you live in New York City? It's bad. It's bad and getting worse. And in fact, it's, 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 I was talking to my daughter today, and she was talking about her friend who lives in Long Island in one of the five towns, one of the Jewish areas there, they call it the five towns, I'm not sure why. Her parents won't let her walk around the neighborhood. I'm saying, what are you talking about? The, the riots are happening in New York. I go, no, 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 no. This stuff is happening all over the suburbs also. It's spreading like the pandemic. It's not simply isolated to Manhattan and Midtown uh, and downtown. It's now in New Jersey and Long Island. It's spreading all over. So it's, it's getting, it's, it, in Minneapolis, it's gotten better. But because we have the absolute worst mayor in America in New York City who's allowing these guys room to breathe, that this thing is spreading more. I, I hope that we can have a change with the National Guard. But right now, he doesn't want to bring it in. And the NYPD, God bless their souls. I love the NYPD. They're great. They're not going to be able to handle this. Why is he not calling in the National Guard? Because he feels that it's militarizing, quote-unquote, the protest. He feels that the NYPD is the only uh, the only group that has the sense, his words, the sensitivity training necessary to deal with these rioters and protesters. That the National Guard doesn't have the same sensitivity to what's going on in New York because they're not from the city necessarily, the smaller the state. He doesn't want to bring them into a volatile situation. Well, the New York Times is not the calling for the uh, National Guard. No, there is this whole, again, by the way, the National Guard is out of force in Minneapolis, and they could not be nicer, more approachable. They're doing, I mean, it's a little scary to see, you know, Humvees and APCs on the street. No question about it. It is jarring to see visually, but they are approachable and they're friendly and they have empathy. They really do. I see them have empathy. And by the way, they're not going out tear gassing um, peaceful protesters. Okay. The protesters I were with were all breaking curfew. The curfews at eight. I was there till 12, one, two in the morning. And the police and the, and the, and the, the National Guard knew that all these people were out there. And as long as they were quiet, protesting without any kind of violence, they left them alone. This narrative that they're attacking and trying to hurt innocent or even, even, even say, Right. They're allowing them room. They're only trying to stop the people who are using violence. All right. Where do we see your video? You can find it, I think, on uh, PragerTopia, and you can find it on AmiHorowitz.com. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, this Prager, is really a crazy Prager. video. It's got to be yeah. seen. Okay. It does have to be seen. These are dark days, my friends, but they could be turned around by defeating the left. That is all that you need to do. The solution is is staggeringly simple. 
They ruin everything they touch. The arts, the universities, journalism, property, freedom. Stop them. Vote for the other side. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Owen Strand for townhall.com. The recent events across America have reminded citizens that freedom, peace, and safety are fragile things. The death of George Floyd in Minnesota calls for justice through our system of due process. The officer who suffocated Floyd had numerous citations for bad conduct. Unfortunately, police unions make it very hard to remove bad cops. Following Floyd's death, peaceful protests were held, but then depraved rioting, looting, and destruction unfolded. In the midst of this lawlessness, the group that calls itself Antifa has wreaked havoc. Antifa is evil, a movement of nihilism cloaked in the tones of liberation. Thankfully, President Trump labeled Antifa a domestic terrorist group, one of the more important domestic decisions thus far of his presidency. Attorney General William Barr publicly reinforced this stance. In riled times, we seek freedom, peace, and safety, and we seek justice. Justice in Floyd's case, and justice to end Antifa's reign of terror. I'm Owen Strand. Considering a career in politics? Consider Pepperdine's Graduate School of Public Policy. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.